Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 15 to 30. I mean, Acts chapter 16, verses 25 to 30. How about that? I'm going to ask Angie Carricker if she would come up here and help me read the Word of God. I hope I didn't butcher her last name, but I got it right. Yes. That's a win in my column. Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 30. If you want to read from paper or electronic, it is up to you. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 30. If you haven't already, you can open up your Bible app and have all the notes there. Uh, the scripture will be on the screen. We've made it really easy for you to read God's Word today. But uh, put a little effort into it. If you do have a, a smart device with you, an iPhone, an iPad, um, or for all the men, if your wives are with you, that's your smart device. Um, <laughs> well, just saying it's the truth. All right, Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 30. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there came a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison house were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. And then the jailer had been roused out of sleep and had been and had seen the prison doors opened. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, Paul cried out with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And after he brought them out, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Awesome. Give her a big hand. Let's pray today. Dad, we just thank you for good stuff because you're a good father. You're good to us. Better than certainly we deserve. We're studying your word today. And I pray that it would do exactly as it, you intended to do. Isaiah 55, 10, 11 declares unto us that your word will do what it was sent to do. It will not return to void. It will accomplish it. And we believe it today to be so. So we just thank you, Lord. Rightly divide the word of truth in our hearts today. Speak to each and every one of us where we're at as only you can do. We segregate this moment for you. We carve it out for you. We consecrate it for you. That means to be set apart for you. This is not our time to check scores or the masters or anything else, God. This is our time that we're carving out once a week to come together, to be unified, to be in one mind and one accord. And when we have all those ingredients together, you always do great things. So today our expectation is nothing less. Because you're a great God. You don't do mediocre or average. You do great. So today, our hearts and our minds and our souls are prepared for great stuff in our life today. And we just say thank you for that. We give you all the praise and glory. God's people said, amen, so be it. If God's been give good to you, just give him a shout of praise today in this house. After all, we're talking about worshiping the Lord, amen. God is alive and well. He's not in a cave or a tomb somewhere. Jesus truly is risen. Acts chapter 16, verse 25 through 30 is a, a, a story that if you grew up in church, like if you cut your teeth in church, if you have a lot of pew time like I do, uh, my brother and I being pastor's kids, right, we got a lot of pew time. And what I mean by that is like pews or chairs, whatever, we saw a lot of time in those. And um, 
So I've always envied my whole life people that get to sit at the back of the house because I've never gotten to do that. So I think today I might just see what that's like. I've never gotten to sit at the back. I've got a wireless mic. Remember the days when mics were corded? People are like, holy smokes, is he going to come sit right by me? I'm going to sit by core over here. <laughs> I get it. This is pretty awesome. A good view. You do. You get to see what everybody else is doing. Whack them in the back of the head if they're not paying attention. Amen. You know, the pastor used to be chained to a cord. You know, he couldn't go that far. <laughs> he had to have a cord man with him. But if you got a lot of pew time, if you cut your teeth on the pews or a lot of time growing up in church, this probably is a story that you've heard before. Has anybody else ever heard this story before? Paul and Silas in the jail. All right. Some of us have. Maybe some of us haven't. Maybe you're just too lazy to raise your hand. I don't know. But I guarantee if I say I got a million dollars giveaway, who wants it? All the hands will go out really quick. You'd be fighting and hurting each other to get up here. So for those of us that have heard this story before, I think God, I don't think, I know God has given me something that if you're not careful, you're going to miss it. You probably already did. You weren't paying attention. So we're going to read it just in again. We're going to break it down in a few moments. But we're familiar with this. So what I don't want you to forget as we're talking about this story, and we're talking about worship today, is that this Paul that we're reading about used to have a different name. And his name was, for those that know, Saul. So very well, this story could read Saul and Silas, but when, when God got a hold of him, he changed his life. And I think there's something to say that something when, when God gets a hold of our life, things change. Our DNA changes. Amen? And, and so, so Saul becomes Paul, and now Paul and Silas are chained together in the prison. Somebody else very important in this story, and his name is Timothy. Timothy, to believe by many, is the first pastor of the first church. Really, not Paul, but Timothy. By many, believe that Timothy was the very first pastor. And so this is kind of about the time where Paul finds Timothy and brings him along. So the New Testament books, First and Second Timothy... Timothy did not write those. Paul wrote those as letters to him because he was going to start pastoring the church once Paul died. And I say all of that to tell you this, that every one of us in here are here because of someone came before us, gave us a foundation for us to sit here today and hear the word of God. So what we need to do my generation and whoever, whatever generation you are, our teenagers need to thank their parents. We need to thank our parents, our grandparents, whatever that looks like. We need to thank someone in our life who has paved a way for us to be where we are today. So if you don't have like someone immediate that you can kind of touch per se, emotionally or physically that might still be alive today, say, you know what, they got me in church or, you know, they got me to the house of the Lord or, or they introduced me to Jesus or whatever that was looked like. But I can tell you that there certainly were apostles. There were these disciples who started the movement, which we're continuing today. Our culture, and we have, if we're not careful, including us, I speak as a painting with a broad brush, excuse the pun, but painting with a broad brush today. Many of us, if we're not careful, we will raise a generation or we will be part of a generation that is not very good, not very great at at giving gratitude away. Does that make sense? 
And so what I mean by that is the simple idea of just saying thank you. I grew up, and it was put into me with a belt. You, know, you can't do that anymore because, you know, whatever. It hurts the kids emotionally. But I'm just fine. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but if my dad gave me something, he would not let go of it until I said, some of you are starting to get it. And if someone else gave me something, the expectation was that I would say, thank you. And we've lost that. Like, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Can I, can I tell you something as a pastor that hurts my heart? When I see young people say what to their parents? What? It was a day and age when I'd get popped in the mouth if I said what like that. Now, this may be really hard for some of you to take. You're like, what kind of church should I stumble into? You stumble into a godly church, a, word, a church. The Bible tells us that we're to love our children. After all, God loves us sometimes in a hard way. But hear my heart today, church. I'm not saying, can you pop your kids in your mouth? Hear my heart. Don't let the enemy do that. But what I'm telling you today is so, we need to be creating an atmosphere where gratitude is a part of what we do. It is in our DNA. You need to be thankful that you have a pastor that is bringing you the truth today. Seriously. If you want, I can tickle your ears and I can tell you what a great person you are. And you know what, man? You're just going to make it on your own. And, man, congratulations. And you're, wow, that's all you need to hear. Or I can cut you down sometimes and then build you back up. <laughs> we all need to be humble, don't we? Look at your neighbor and say, you're not that great. Oh, man. We need to be creating an atmosphere, if you will, an attitude of gratitude. Every young person in here, every teenager, if you're 18 and under, I want you to do something today. And if you want to do it right now, but if you have a parent in the house before today is over, I want you to thank them for loving you. Come on, parents, where were you? I mean, seriously, let your moms and your dads know, because some of you got more than one, but let them know that you're thankful for raising you, thankful for loving you, thankful that they put clothes on you, thankful that they loved you enough to bring you here today. And you know what? If your parent isn't here and someone else brought you, you should be thanking them. They brought you to the house of the Lord. Amen? And certainly all of us should have, if not already, thanked the Lord for getting us up today, for giving us breath today, for giving us a second chance. Come on, somebody. For thanking, thanking him for loving us. Because the truth is, some of us are really hard to love. And you might, oh man, you might be sitting next to somebody, you're like, oh, Pastor, you have no idea. So glad the Lord told you to say that. Say it again. Some of you are really hard to love. You know what? You may be that person. You're thinking about somebody else, but it may be you. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah. Some of us 
most of us, a lot of us, all of us can be difficult to love at some time. But aren't you thankful that we have a God who loves us in spite of ourselves? Amen. And we mess things up and we jack things up and we tear stuff up and we make a mess of our life. And God says, I love you anyways. So let's just all thank the Lord right now for loving us. Can we today? Hallelujah. Because some of us are hard to love. We are. Can I tell you something because I love you? Don't make it hard for someone to love you. Make it easy for them to love you. I mean, what would it look like in our in our world, what would our marriages and our homes look like if we created an atmosphere where it was easy to love one another? Does everyone understand what I mean by that? If you don't, let me spell it out for you. We do things where we make it difficult to love one another in our marriages and in our homes and our relationships with our kids, our parents, aunts and uncles, like fill in the blank, coworkers, whatever. We make it difficult for us to love each other because we don't have attitudes of gratitude. We think high, highly of ourselves, sometimes more, more highly than we ought to think of ourselves. And, and we put ourselves above other people often and a lot. And we think more about ourselves than we do about God or someone else. So one way that we can start making it much easier to love someone to love us is if we start putting other people first. And we do that, I think, a lot of times when we have this attitude of gratitude, thanking God, start thanking people. In fact, I want to just take it a step further. You need to reach out to someone today and just say thank you. Thank you for for loving me when I was a teenager. Or or thank you for that blessing that you gave me a year ago. You know what? I know I thanked you, but I want to say thank you again. Whatever it looks like. Like, really, let's flood social media today with just thanking people in our lives for the stuff that they've done for us. Amen? Let's thank God out loud and publicly for loving us. Amen? Can we do that today? So maybe you reach out to a parent and say, you know, I just want to say thank you for loving me. Maybe you reach out to an aunt and uncle who raised you and you say, you know what, thank you for loving me. Thank you for putting up with my junk and my stuff and all the other shenanigans that I pull. My parents aren't here today, but Lord, I know that John and I owe them a lot of gratitude. (laughs) I wasn't always this nice. Just being real deal Holyfield, you know what I'm saying? Like, so we need to thank somebody. I think we need to thank God more often. Do you believe that today? I mean, seriously, if we were just to stop right now and start writing all the things that we need to thank Him for, where would it end? Where would it stop? Thank you for saving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that I don't have to spend eternity without you. You see, church, the real scary thing about hell is this, church, hear my heart. It's not the burning and the gnashing of teeth. The devil wants you to think that. It is that you will be separated for eternity with the knowledge, knowing that you could have chosen to follow the Lord. So for eternity, you will have to think and remember and know that you chose a life other than the Lord. That's the real deal of hell. You'll put up with the burning and the gnashing of teeth, but you will have an emotional agony 
of knowing that for eternity you could have been in the presence of the Lord. And heaven, likewise, is not that we get to be on golden streets, you know, streets paved with gold or gates with pearls and, and, and a beautiful home and feasts on a meal. And come on, guys, not to have to cut grass. Amen? But and to live and imagine all these things, that's not the beauty of heaven. Church, the beauty of heaven is that we're in the presence of the one who loves us, that we get to see Jesus, amen, face to face, to see his hands, to see his feet that took our punishment, to see where the crown of thorns was placed. That's the beauty of heaven is to be in the presence of the Lord. So if nothing else that you think someone today, you just thank him for that. And on and on. An attitude of gratitude. Paul and Silas are sitting in prison. What we're not reading today for time that you need to know that is happening earlier in Acts chapter 16 is this. Paul and Silas, the Bible says that they had made plans to travel to other parts of the world. Here we see God pushing the gospel to the continent of Asia from Acts chapter 16 and beyond. And so they, if you read in early parts of Acts chapter 16, they name other cities that they wanted to go to. And twice, the Word of God tells us this, that the Spirit of God stopped them from going. Twice, they tried to go somewhere. Try, twice, they tried to get in a ship and, and sail across a different sea or a different ocean. And twice, the Spirit, it says that the Spirit of God stopped them from going. I say that to tell you that I am thankful that the Lord orders my steps. And when we do, there is a chain reaction. Somebody say chain reaction. There's a chain reaction. So Paul and Silas, they tried twice to go somewhere else. God is steering them somewhere else into a place now where they are in prison. Isn't that like life, you're trying to do God's will. You're serving God. You're showing up to the house of the Lord. You're tithing. You're volunteering. Whatever it looks like, right? You're, you're doing your best to raise your kid in a godly household. And before you know it, you find yourself imprisoned. Jailed by life. The door slammed on you. And you're stuck in a prison with somebody, maybe you like them, maybe you don't, but sometimes we're just stuck in a prison of life and we're held by whatever, by situations, by circumstances, by problems, by finances, by arguments, by fears. Are you, are you getting the picture today, church? Are you still with me? All right. And so sometimes this happens to us. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you've never loved God more, but you find yourself never held captive more? You're doing good. You love God. Raising your kids godly. Whatever it looks like. You you feel like you're doing all the right things, and yet you're jailed. You're held captive by something. Something has, you say, God, I am following what you've told me to follow. Yet here I find myself in a situation that doesn't look anything like you. Chain reaction. So Paul and Silas, 
are in this prison. Now, here's how they got there. Paul and Silas finally got to their destination, and they're preaching the gospel. They're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And while they're there, the Bible says there was this young girl who was possessed by a devil following them around. And she would call out to them, and she was harassing them, as the Word of God says. She was harassing them. So the Bible tells us this, that Paul has had enough of it. This has been going on for days. Paul's had enough of it, and he looks at her, and he says, demons out. You know, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. The demons come out of this girl. And so her masters who had lord over her were profiting from her. She had an ability to predict the future. And so they got really upset because now that that spirit has gone out of her, they've lost their income. So what has happened is Paul and Silas have stirred the hornet's nest. Can I tell you today and paint a picture for you today that when you love the Lord and you worship the Lord and you set out on a mission of life to serve him for as long as you live and as long as there is breath in your lungs, at some point along the way, you are going to stir a hornet's nest. Somewhere along the way, the devil's going to get agitated with you and upset with you. Has anyone ever experienced that before? So that's going to happen. And so because of that, these men that had Lord over her, that she was their servant, they went and complained, and, and Paul and Silas were thrown in the prison. But not just any prison. The Bible says that they were thrown into the inner cell. Chain reaction. It's a chain reaction. Everybody say chain reaction. So they're thrown into the prison cell. Write this down if you're taking notes today. There's a purpose for your praise. There's a purpose for your praise. Did you know that you and I were created to worship the Lord? Do you know that? We were created to worship Him, to bring Him glory, to sing unto Him, to worship Him. Megan and the team and Heidi, they did a beautiful job with this song called Clear the Stage. And if you were paying attention to the lyrics and hearing the message of the song, it was saying this, that worship is more than a song. If you believe that all worship is, is standing on a stage or being in the Lord's house and singing songs that are put up there for you to sing off of, that's not worship. That's not worship. It's a part of worship. It is something that we, when we do when we come together, but that's not all that worship is. It is more than a song. Do you believe that today? Worship's more than a song. And I'm going to tell you why it's more than a song. Because Paul and Silas, if all they believed that worship was more than, if, if they just believed that worship was just a song, I don't think that they would have been singing in a prison. But yet, of all the places that they choose to begin worshiping God is in the deepest, darkest part of the prison. It was so dark that if you read when Angie was reading, it says that the guard called for the lights. There were no lights. It was dark. Somebody say it was dark. How dark was it? Well, it was so dark you couldn't see your yellow teeth. I mean, it was dark. It was dark. And... and, and and my message to us today, church, 
is if we can worship in those moments, there's nothing that's going to stop us. I mean, if you can find a way in the deepest, darkest moments of life to sing unto God and to worship Him and to love Him, there's nothing that can stop you. Look at your neighbor and say emphatically, you are unstoppable. There's a purpose for our praise. So, Paul and Silas, they're in this prison together. And they're stuck there. And the Bible tells us in verse 25 that as they're singing, their hands are bound and their their feet are bound. Paul's on one side and Silas is on the other. And I don't know if they're stuck in a prison or, I mean, if they're, they're stuck side by side, but they're, they're sitting there and somewhere about midnight, we hear Silas, my hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. So Paul's like, Paul's over here. Be quiet, Silas. I'm trying to sleep. I've been beaten. I've been bruised. So we hear Silas irritate his friend because that's what we'd all do. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but he did that run like that. But so when I'm telling the story, I can sing it however I want. When you tell the story, you can sing it how you want. But holy lean on Jesus' name. So Paul, he's over here. He perks up. And because it was midnight and because we think they were Pentecostal and charismatic. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. And so Silas is over here. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds. Come on, somebody. My anchor holds. When life is tough, my anchor holds. You know, when it's dark and you're stuck in a prison, my anchor holds within the veil. Come on, somebody. Does your anchor hold today? And so, Paul, they start singing together. Sing it with me if you know this one. What? Can wash away my sins. Sing it out. Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? What? Nothing but the blood. Here's the thing, church. If the devil really wanted to stop you, he should have kept you from coming. But God brought us all together because there's a chain reaction. One starts singing, and the other one says, well, if he can worship, then then I can worship like that. And then she says, well, if they can worship when it's that dark, then maybe I can worship the Lord when it's that dark. And how can he love God because of where he's at? But, But if he can love God, then maybe I can love God. Somebody shout a chain reaction. Y'all ain't ready for this because because God brought you here today. Everybody shout battle buddy. We gotta have battle buddies. You guys that are in the military, the men and women, you know what I'm talking about. You gotta have somebody who's willing to get in the trenches with you. 
Somebody who's willing, as my grandpa would say, probably a term from World War II, get in the foxhole with you. You got to have somebody who's willing to crawl into the mess of life with you and say, you know what? I'm going to stick it out with you. And, and rather than just leaning a hand over the side, you know what? I'll just climb in there with you and I'm going to sit with you and I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to live with you and I'm going to do this with you. And I'm not going to let you do it alone because because we've got to have battle buddies. After all, that's what the New Testament church was about. It's a chain reaction. It's a chain reaction. So Paul and Silas are in this prison. I got to end it with this because you missed it. So let me show it to you again. Go with me to, uh, let's just jump to verse 27. So why, when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Suppose that prisoners had escaped. Paul cried out with a loud voice, don't harm yourself. for We're all here. He called for lights. They came in trembling with fear. He fell down before them and he said, and after he brought them out, he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I need to tell you this because the word sirs here literally translated Lord. Someone who is in charge of prisoners does not cause the, call the prisoner Lord. But because of their praise, you hear my heart today, church, but because of who they were worshiping, because of who they knew they were in the Lord, it showed who they were. He says, what must I do to be saved? I told you earlier that twice the spirit of the Lord stopped them from going somewhere, somewhere else. Maybe I'm connecting dots that aren't there, but maybe I'm connecting the right dots. But what if by chance God saw a jailer in a jail somewhere who needed love, who needed to be saved, who needed to know that Jesus Christ is Lord, who his wife and his kids, because it says his family. And in those type of days, and actually in Israel today, as in other countries, whole families live and occupy floors and buildings and whole houses together. So no telling how many people that Paul and Silas touched that day, only simply because they chose to worship God in the darkest part of their life and the worst hour possible. They did what only they knew what believers to do that they could do. We can't clap. We can't stand up. But you know what? Our mouths aren't chained. Our mouths aren't tied. God gave me a tongue. So rather than cursing God and hating him and blaming him, I'm choosing today to worship him. And a chain reaction happened. That's why the enemy doesn't want you to worship. Do you see that it's bigger than you? Say next to your neighbor, it's bigger than you. Because when you start worshiping the Lord, chains are broken. The question is today... Are we going to allow the chains to break our praise or will our praise break our chains? That was good, Holly. Some of you missed it. Are we going to allow our chains to break our praise? Are we going to allow our praise to break our chains? What do you think is greater? Your praise that God gave you. To glorify him, to worship him, to magnify him. Hear my heart today, church. I know it's not always unicorns, rainbows, and sunshine. I get it. But there are times in life, the greatest times when you need to worship the Lord and seek him is when it's the hardest, because that's when it's the sweetest. That's when you know you've earned it. That's when you've done something for it. Amen. I mean, no devil can take that away from you. Are you hearing my heart today, church? And that's just to worship God and to seek his face and to turn to him and to love him. He's created us to worship him. And our greatest honor today 
is to bring glory and honor to him. Is to worship him. Say it again. Are your chains going to break your praise or will your praise break your chains? You want to worship God with me today? Does worship mean something maybe a little different now? I hope it does. Stand with me all across this place. We're going to sing and worship. We're going to honor the Lord with our lips. We're going to honor him with our hearts today. You know, we're going to, we're going to spend the next few moments this way. Uh, as we do every Sunday, uh, our elders and our staff, our prayer partners are going to join me at the front. As they're coming, we just want to open this time up for you. The song that we did earlier, clearing the stage, you notice the musicians trying to do something symbolically to kind of help the moment, you know, bringing their instruments or their, their microphones. And I laid my Bible and my iPad up here at the front as a symbol of, you know, the things that in this moment, especially that I'm holding dear to me, I'm laying them before the Lord. So this is a daily thing. Amen. You know that, right? Like we don't just do it on a Sunday. This is that whole attitude of gratitude thing. That's what this goes back to. If you're kind of hoarding something that you're not willing to give up, I'm going to tell you what, friend, that's the thing that you most need to give up. You know, if Holy Spirit's asked you for something, maybe there's a habit that you're doing, something you're involved in, and he's been kind of tapping at your heart and your soul, kind of whispering to you, saying, hey, give that up, let that go, but you're holding on to it. I would encourage you that you need to give that up today. Surrender that. Maybe it's to do with your marriage, your home, your career, your finances. You fill in the blank. We're not going to throw darts and try to guess today. So as Megan and the team sings and worship, I just want to encourage you. Do that very thing today. Carve, carve out for the Lord some time for him. Amen? Can we do that? If you want to kneel at your seat, you can. I'm not saying you have to do any of those things. What I am telling you, though, is do something physical in this moment, maybe to represent what's happening spiritually. Like something needs to motivate us to seek God face to face, to kind of go after him, to pursue him. Sometimes that means praying with sometimes with someone or, 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 or praying at the altar or kind of, like I said, kneeling at your seat. You know, if your whole family's in here today. Man, why don't all of you come up and just spend some time at the altar together. Dads, be bold and brave today and lead your family up to the front and say, you know, we're, we're just going to pray. Um, it can't hurt. Amen. Amen. So we're going to sing and we're going to worship. We're going to come to the Lord and just magnify him today and uh, give him praise. We're going to open it up before you go. Sing it with us. Spend some time praying.